Oh, what a day! What a lovely day! <laughs> Welcome to the Mad Max Minute Podcast, the daily podcast where we break down Mad Max one minute at a time. I'm Rick. And I'm Julia. And today we're talking about Minute 42, which begins with Goose pulling out of an alley, and it ends with Goose speeding down a highway. We've had a lot of anxiety about this minute, just because, for all intents and purposes, it's just Goose on his motorcycle, riding down the road with not much else happening. Yes. Yeah. But, but we're going to pick it apart as much as we can. Exactly. There's a reason why I pick through these minutes and, you know, chunking out every individual shot so we have a, a really sturdy framework to work with. A framework to work with? That doesn't sound weird at all, right? Mm, maybe a little. Maybe a little bit. I don't know. Anyway. So this minute begins with Goose pulling out of his little parking spot that he had and going up through the car park onto the street. And... Before he really leaves his parking spot, we get a good look at the side of his motorcycle. We see three main things that I picked out. Mainly his MFP badge, which is like welded to the side of the motorcycle. And then on his gas tank, it says Quaka, which is just the the letters of Kawasaki that they've rearranged and pulled off. But the thing that really caught my eye that seemed the most interesting to me was a sticker that he had on the side of his motorcycle right underneath his badge, which was of a cartoon goose with this waving scarf. And above it, it says Jim, and below it, it says Goose. He's got his own little mascot sticker (laughs) stuck to the side of his motorcycle. You know, I didn't notice this the first time until you pointed it out to me. But it does not surprise me at all. Mm -mm. Does not surprise me either. He seems exactly like the kind of guy that would not only have a logo or a mascot, but would insist on having a copy of that logo or mascot stuck to the side of his motorcycle. I guess you could say that Goose is also the kind of guy who would like paint a woman on the side of his motorcycle, very much like bomber pilots in World War II. Yeah, yeah. Where he's got to keep it at least somewhat professional because it is a work vehicle. You know, maybe they allowed him, okay, you can have this little like four inch by four inch space to put a decal on. Or someone thought it would be a funny little joke to give him his own little mascot because he's been on the force so long or something like that. I don't know. I don't see him having any level of professionalism. I mean, he he was on duty for a one night stand. Yeah, he was technically on the clock. As he was, you know, and, and if punching he wasn't, that time card, so to speak. Yeah, and if he wasn't on the clock, then he used MFP property, the bike, mm-hmm. you know, for outside work activities. Yeah. He should have switched over to his own bike. Yeah, he really should have. Like, ethically speaking, if you are if you are going to go out to the club and engage in adult activities, you should not be on the clock. <laughs> you should not be using work materials and resources. <laughs> you know? I'm just glad we were spared the montage of Goose and the cabaret singer having their one night stand. Meanwhile, someone is across town getting murdered. And oh, undoubtedly like, that did just, happen. They're yeah. juxtaposing those two things. Meanwhile, the radio's like, hey, Goose, can you go stop that murder? 
maybe, you know, stop the murder now. Hey, Goose. And meanwhile, Goose is upstairs with the cabaret singer, you know, doing the Hollywood thing where, you know, they're doing stuff, but you don't actually see them do stuff, even though it's an R-rated movie. Yeah, for an R-rated movie, we got nothing. Mm-hmm. Although we did get mostly naked Mel Gibson, so. Yeah, I feel but like. not R-rated level. I feel like. Given the amount of skin that's shown off in this movie, we get a lot of man skin. Like, we get several scenes with Mel Gibson shirtless. I mean, in the first scene we see him at home, he was only wearing a towel. Yeah. Uh, we see Fifi without his shirt on. Um, that's less fun, though. We see a lot of, like, biker musculature, you yeah. know, when they're hanging out and being all casual and whatnot. We don't really see a lot of ladies shown off. I mean, we get the cabaret singer the morning after and we get the woman. But it's like, those aren't like... With the cabaret singer, it's more incidental. Like, she's there to illustrate that they did have a one-night stand. Yeah. And you're not supposed to be titillated by the brutalized young woman unless you're a sociopath. Right. You know, <laughs> if you see all, if you see her beat up and tied up and that does it for you, I got bad news. <laughs> you probably got someone tied up in your basement. You should let them go. <laughs> I mean, unless unless they're consensually there. I, I'm not going to judge. But if you have someone kidnapped, tied up in your basement, please go down there. Let them go. You know, don't don't be like that. Don't be that guy. <laughs> Such sage advice. Such sage advice we have on this podcast. So Goose reaches the end of the alley. He turns onto the street and he's very deliberate with it. He kind of lines himself up and then he just takes off. He like cranks that throttle and just burns out. Yes, quite impressive. Oh, yeah. You did some fancy observing and mathematics. So I'm nowhere near as precise as a YouTube channel like movie movie theory? Film theory? I think film theory is, is the Matt Pat movie. Yeah, it would actually site. like use scale yeah, and he proper uses like, math, scales like real and... mathematics. Me, I looked at the brick building off to the left of the scene and I noticed there were like kind of built-in columns to the building. And I said, okay, well, you know, if those are about 10 feet apart, because why not? And then I looked along the ground and I kind of traced with my eyes. So if those columns are like 10 feet apart, yeah, he had a solid burnout line of about 40 feet, which is pretty nice. Yes, uh, 40 feet. It, maybe it's on the high side, but not by too much. No, it's, it's very it was reasonable. Very, yeah, it was a very impressive burnout. Mm -hmm. So that burnout wakes up Johnny. Yeah. I saw an inconsistency listed on, I think it was MadMaxMovies.com. Mm -hmm. So that big, long, impressive burnout, mm -hmm. when they fade to Johnny in the car, apparently if you look at the road, which I didn't look that closely. I'm just going to trust it's what this person has done. Yeah, apparently when they fade over to Johnny, that burnout is not on the pavement. Which, I gotta say, it, it, it's a weird angle. Yeah, you know? I'm just going to... Do you want well, me to pull it up on the... Uh, yeah, I want to see. Cause... So let me get back to where... Cause... Okay, so, so the yep, burnout line should reach to there, and then we fade... The and line you see is completely Goose gone. flying off in the back. Unless the car is further forward than we think, but there's but a red transformer there. There's the red transformer there. Yeah. There should be a line on that pavement. Yep, you're right. Okay, uh, I realize that's an inconsistency, but I did appreciate that you could still see Goose going off in the background. Yes, they did remember to put that in there. Yeah. So based on, based on background, it looks like Goose burned out like... Right in front of Johnny's car. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. Johnny was not well hidden. Mm-mm. I mean, now, granted, do you he, think was he was sleeping a, in a car. Do you so. think he was asleep or do you think he was just hiding? Knowing Johnny, I think he was asleep. I think that's very safe to assume. Yeah, that was my assumption. That he was pretty much sleeping on the job. One of the cool things about where Johnny is sitting is that the car he has decided to sleep in is an XK Falcon sedan. Interestingly enough, the car that Goose jumps over outside Fat Nancy's is also an XK Falcon sedan. Probably the same one. They're both white. They both have like those red accents on the roof. Yeah. I'm willing to bet they just, okay, we need a car. Go grab the Falcon from right. the previous scene. There's a decent chance that that Falcon was personal car of somebody because it doesn't get destroyed in any way exactly it yet. stays pretty pristine yeah so you know it could have been somebody's personal car and therefore free mm-hmm. or maybe cost a case of beer like everything else cost i mean you could almost say that steve Beisley kind of buffed it with his body as he rolled over it but where he's wearing so many hard plate protective things i feel like that would probably not be very effective and he's wearing leather which is not a buffing material no <laughs> So Johnny hears the burnout. He wakes up in this car and just kind of watches Goose right away. Yeah, I thought this was awkward. Like, so he pulls out this lighter, which Mm -hmm. we'll get into in a minute. But he pulls out the lighter. He pulls it out right away. Yeah. He doesn't even wait for like five seconds of boredom before he goes looking for something to do. And that reminds me, we recently watched... Sorry. Was it a Vsauce video on boredom and how humans cannot stand it? We would rather... Oh, this is interesting. We would rather do something harmful to ourselves. The example that the, the test used in this the Vsauce video was a button that gave you a little electric shock. And it was the only thing in a room and you were told to just wait there. Someone's going to come come get you. And the guy was waiting there for, I can't remember how long, we'll call it a half an hour. Yeah. And he actually touched that button twice, knowing that it was going to shock him because it was more interesting than sitting there doing nothing. Mm-hmm. But Johnny goes for some sort of entertainment immediately. Yeah. It's just kind of awkward timing. Yeah. Now this lighter is going to be pretty important in the future. Yes. Like... It's a... It, the lighter showing up right now is a total Chekhov's gun. Mm-hmm. Because it's going to come up later. Um... It is. This this lighter motivates a good portion of the second half of the movie. Mm-hmm. It comes up next Monday, and then it comes up at the very end. I want to say, like... Oh, way, way. Like, the last maybe. week that we're recording, I want to say, it comes back up again. Yeah. But it's, it's introduced like the last here. thing that happens... It's kind of this new little prop for Johnny that we haven't really seen or really had a chance for him to use before. No, I think, is this the first time that we're really seeing Johnny one-on-one? I'm trying to remember. This is the first time we're seeing him alone where he's not, like, stoned out of his gourd. Yes, that's a good point. Yeah, because when we see him after the Chevy sabotage, he's he's just... Semi-alone. But, yeah, he's he's got other things to occupy his mind. Mm -hmm. So... When we were talking about this before we started recording, you kind of saw him pulling out the lighter as kind of a little bit of foreshadowing for what's about to happen to Goose. Yes, especially because he takes the lighter. And when you have a lighter and you're bored, you tend to like flick it on and off, mm-hmm. like repeatedly over and over again. He burns himself with it. Yeah. Or tries to because he really doesn't. So I think that 
you know, burning his skin is foreshadowing to what's going to happen to Goose and then eventually to himself. Yeah. Now, he doesn't have the kind of lighter that's like a Bic lighter where it actually has the little sparking wheel. It seems that it just has a button. So he could sit there and click that button, but I think he wants to kind of test his limits and kind of see how much pain he can handle, which, as we see, is like nothing next to nothing nothing. at all. I mean, I got pretty hairy arms. If I held the flame that close, my hair would probably start to burn and whatnot, but I'm pretty sure I could outlast him holding a lighter to my arm, and I'm like doughy (laughs) that sounds like a game a gang would play yeah like how long can you hold the lighter to your arm hair yeah but he's he's really not that tough because like after he like burns himself he like blows on his arm and then like starts massaging yeah he like like he's nursing it it's like what he's not which is not a surprise oh no it's not a surprise at all that he can't handle it because he just doesn't have the style yeah. Now, this scene would seem a little funny if the score wasn't there to really... Let's see, how do I put it? If the score wasn't there to give us this kind of nefarious feeling to it. Because we understand at this point, specifically, it's told to us in plain English, Johnny was the one who sabotaged Goose's motorcycle. Yes. Johnny has done something, and now Goose is in danger because of it. But if you're just looking at what's happening, I mean, Johnny's not pursuing goose he's not going anywhere he just kind of woke up noticed he left and then figured oh well i'm gonna play the lighter game with myself or something like that yeah the only thing ominous or nefarious about this scene is the music right and it's a very good chunk of score to use in this scene and it's immediately missed when we shift to the next shot oh the next shot is an extremely long i do not understand approaching shot i you know i i just don't get it i like artistic shots Mm -hmm. i like shots that are out of the ordinary and interesting and are trying to communicate something i i just don't think this is one of them yeah it's just a it begins with goose far away we have no music all we have is engine sound Mm -hmm. and it and you can't see goose at all for a solid like 12 seconds. Yep. It's a long shot. And we just sit there and we wait. And we're watching an empty road, listening to motorcycle sounds. And eventually he comes up and passes. Yes. Eventually. Which is, which is wonderful and dramatic. Um, and even if he had started with us not being able to see him mm-hmm. and, you know, come into view and pass the camera, would have been fine with that. It's how long we sat there and watched an empty screen. Yeah. I could say that the average length of shot that we've seen in this movie so far is under five seconds. Like two mm. to four seconds per shot before it shifts to something else. And to have this just four or five times as long shot... After, you know, we get the impression that something bad is going to go down, it just kind of kills the momentum a little bit, which we pick up that momentum once we actually get these moving shots that we're going to see for the rest of the movie. But it's like Goose is driving his motorcycle. He's peeling out. We got Johnny waking up and then it's all of a sudden just middle of the road. Mm -hmm. Nothing happening. Yep. No music. And I think the lack of music is where it really kind of hurts. Because like I said... We go from this nefarious do-do-do-do-do-do when we're looking at Johnny, and then we just get nothing. It just cuts out completely. And I'm like, ah, what are you doing? Dropping us off the edge of the table, so to speak. But eventually, like you said, Goose does pass, and they kind of do a cut where as he's passing the camera, they kind of spin it around, Mm -hmm. and you see him right off around the corner there. I looked up the locations list 
for this scene. And the road that he's riding on is Point Wilson Road. And it's actually the same location as Charlie and Roop were located at the beginning of the movie. There's a shot, a nice wide shot, that you can actually see the concrete structure that Roop was sitting on top of. Oh, It's like off to the right of the screen as he's riding in. They're pretty uninteresting. They're just cement structures. But, you know, like you said... Or like we said a couple of weeks ago, trying to figure out geography in this movie is very difficult. Mm-hmm. So after we get the shot of Goose riding away from the camera, we get another shot where the camera is actually moving along the road and Goose kind of comes up behind it and ends up like driving by it. It made me think of the production stills that we saw in the behind the scenes documentary of the truck that they used for filming. Mm-hmm. And it was like a pickup truck with the bed removed and it had a platform welded to the front of it. So every time you see the camera going forward, kind of low to the ground, it's because they just had a platform welded to the front of a pickup truck, and the camera guy would just sit on that platform and hold the camera. Sounds pretty unsafe. (laughs) Yeah, I have a feeling that whoever was lashing people into position had to do it pretty well to keep people contained. Yeah. Now, this same pickup truck, like I said, had a crane on the back. So all of the shots we have of the camera going backwards, they mm-hmm. had this nice big boom arm that they were at least able to move the camera into position that way instead of just having someone hanging off the side of a vehicle. Yes. Mm-hmm. Now, you rewatched the behind-the-scenes documentary. Bits and pieces. Bits and pieces. There was another story about literally someone just hanging off Yeah. Like the front of a car so or something what was that story in the clip that i remember seeing today david egby who was the principal photographer on the movie he was hanging out the back window of the big bopper car as it spun out oh in the um oh that's awful in the night rider chase and he's got this big 30 40 pound camera hanging out a car window as it spins out and all the dust gets thrown up so we actually mention him more tomorrow because we get some more interesting shots mm-hmm. for this ride that Goose takes. So, as far as this minute is concerned, especially the latter half, once we actually cut to him on the road, it really feels like it really feels like filler. Like we get desolate shots of the road, engine noise, and not much else. And I feel like on the one hand, we need to be building up suspense. Because we know something is going to happen to the bike. Yeah. But at the same time, soundtrack would have helped that. Yes. And I think in the next minute, in tomorrow's minute, I feel like we get a lot better buildup. Exactly. We get lots of shots going really fast around turns. It's very exciting. There's Mm -hmm. good music to go along with it. Lots of interesting shots and some stories on how they got those shots. This is just filler, and it doesn't make any sense. In minute 44, when we kind of see the conclusion of this ride, I make a comment in my notes about some a few seconds out of this minute could have been sacrificed in favor of showing us more information in that minute 44. Oh, I... And I'll definitely I bring that up there. again in minute 44. But this just didn't need to be there on the other hand as i was thinking about this Mm -hmm. it kind of makes sense to give goose such a long ride because we're initially very concerned about the motorcycle he's starting it up we think something's going to happen we talked about that he's pulling away we expect something to happen we see johnny 
there's all this nefarious music. Oh no, what's going to happen? And then we're treated to a half a minute of nothing happening. So maybe we start thinking, oh, well, this is kind of boring. Maybe Johnny is just a terrible... Yeah, maybe Johnny is just a terrible saboteur. Which sounds about right. Oh, yeah. It's completely (laughs) believable for his character that he would just be really bad at it. And... Yeah, we definitely get a sense of not necessarily how far Goose has traveled, but that he has traveled a long way. Right. He is very, very out in the middle of nowhere by the time this ride concludes. And we don't know what Johnny did to the motorcycle. We don't. So we don't know when it's going to kick in, if it's going to kick in at all, which is really the big question for this minute. I still can't shake the feeling, though, that it should have been trimmed down, that there was a good 15 to 25 seconds of this ride that we could have cut out. I agree. I don't think it's super important that we know that Goose gets really far outside the city limits. Mm-hmm. You know, I just don't feel like his travel time has a good payoff. No. And it doesn't, I don't see how watching him ride for so long pays off in the long run of things. Nope. Really don't see it. Um, this is probably, um, probably my least favorite minute so far. It's my least favorite half minute. Yeah. I like the first half of the minute. I like seeing Johnny and what he's up to. It's weird, but Mm -hmm. I think it definitely tells us something about Johnny and what's going through his head. We learn something. Yeah. And then it just falls apart. Yeah. Speaking of Johnny, I have to wonder if he stays put, if he refuses to follow Goose, not so much to avoid being detected, but because he is so convinced that the sabotage that he's done will take care of Goose. Yes. Did I not say that? Because I have that in my notes. I don't think I actually said it out loud. No, I might have set you up for it and then you went off on a tangent. Yeah. I don't know. A for effort. Uh, Yes, you definitely get this. That's how I read it. Mm -hmm. I definitely got the sense that he's in no rush to follow Goose because he has all the confidence in the world that his plan is going to work. Yeah, and... There was a little bit of online conversation that I saw about the whole, maybe it's Toe Cutter's plan that Johnny will sabotage the bike and then Goose has to borrow a truck and so they'll wreck the truck and then they'll just blow him up in the truck. It's like, it didn't make sense as I was reading this theory that Toe Cutter would make a plan that is so convoluted and complicated. I'm pretty sure Toe Cutter's plan was, hey, Johnny, go sabotage his bike so he'll crash and die. Yeah. And next Tuesday, we're going to have a situation where Johnny very plainly says, you know, this isn't what I had in mind. This isn't how I thought it would go. Not in those words exactly. I'm paraphrasing, of course. But it seems like sabotaging the bike like he did last minute and letting Goose just ride off, he was like, okay, yeah, job done. Dust off my hands. Play with my lighter a little bit. And it's not until later that they realize, oh, wait, he's still alive, which I think is happening. Johnny is bad at his job. I think that happens... This Friday, that we'll see them uh, rear their ugly heads again. Okay. So we promise tomorrow is going to be more interesting. There is a, a pretty epic crash we get. Tomorrow is mostly the same as the second half of today, though. I have to say, yeah, if you could take the second half of this minute and the first half of next minute and just kind of shave them a bunch and mash these two minutes together, it would make for a good scene. Yes. I think. I agree. But that's not the case. So in the meantime, I'm going to say that our website is madmaxminute.com. 
You can follow us on Twitter at Mad Max Minute and like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Mad Max Minute. Thank you for joining us for Mad Max Minute number 42. We'll see you tomorrow and we'll get to enjoy the end of this epic ride. Motorbikes and leather men Take me to the end of the dream Hold on tight so it's your feeling